This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Now, spreading freedom across the nation, this is The Buck Sexton Show. Team Buck. Welcome back to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you as always. Hour two of our show here on Monday is underway. And uh, I want to talk to you a bit about immigration. I know a lot of people are like, oh, let's talk about the Oscars. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Oscars right now. I want to talk about a policy that matters. And I I have to say, I was sitting at my desk over the weekend and compiling the receipts and paperwork and printouts and looking up guidance and so that I can file my taxes this year. And I am, I'm very resentful of that whole process. Uh, I think that it's, I think that it is, I know that it is unfair that the way that our tax system is set up, it benefits some at the expense of others. I do not agree with a progressive rate of taxation. I think that that is inherently unfair. I think it's punishing productivity. But more than that, all these loopholes and what, you know, I I live in New York City. Owning property in New York City is near impossible, certainly in Manhattan, unless your family has the kind of money to buy you something as a young person. Uh, So I, I, but mortgage interest deduction, very popular. Okay, well, I don't, I know a lot of you are like, well, I like that buck. I'm sure you do, but I, I don't get that. And these are just, political decisions. These are social engineering decisions made via the tax code. But without getting into the the nitty gritty of taxing, of of taxation, um, I just was thinking about this. I have to go through this process and it's onerous and it's unfair. And I know that and no serious person can argue with me that the tax code is fair and that it should be 70,000 pages and that this isn't reflective of special interests and all kinds of uh, jockeying for position via the tax code. And as you know, the power to tax is the power to destroy, and the Congress has that, and they use it oftentimes to destroy, whether they intend to or not. But I'm pulling out receipts and trying to, and I'm not a math person, and I'm trying to add stuff and do all of this, because if I don't, well, what would really happen? Let's think about this for a second. If I didn't pay my, ta- if I didn't, well, first of all, they already withhold 
almost all of my income, I mean, almost all of my taxable income is already subject to with withholding. So I don't have investments uh, that are taxed. I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I had brought. But the point here is if I didn't do this, uh, it would affect no person in this country at all. There would be zero impact on the Treasury, uh, zero impact, none whatsoever. And, and no reasonable, rational human being could argue otherwise, that if, if Buck Sexton did not pay his taxes, it would change anything in this country. But of course, if I don't pay my taxes, I will at a minimum have a letter in the mail saying you're going to pay X or else we're just going to take it from you. And I might have IRS agents want me to come down and sit and talk to them and interrogate me. And theoretically, I could go to jail for this. And I mean, theoretically, I should say possibly, not theoretically, possibly I could go to jail for this, which means that people with guns would take physical possession of me and lock me into a cell. I haven't I wouldn't have hurt anybody. I wouldn't have done something that has any impact whatsoever on the future of this nation. And yet people with guns will show up and and take away my freedom and, and ruin certainly my life in the near term and perhaps for good and brand me a criminal for something that hurts no one. And now, I'm not advocating not paying your taxes. I'm just taking us through this experiment so that when we talk about immigration and immigration enforcement, we can all see the similarities at work here. None of us think that we could get away without paying our taxes, and none of us think that we could do that without risking prison time, despite the fact that on a person-to-person basis, you know what would happen if if I had more money? Uh, I would put money on a down payment maybe for a house. It'd be easier for me to start a family. You know, do, do people want to break up my future family by not letting me have the money I need to start a... You see where I'm going with that too. So... And they would, by the way, if I were married and had kids and didn't pay my taxes, men with guns would come and they would arrest me and take me away from my family. Doesn't matter how much my wife, I don't have a wife, but cries. Doesn't matter how much my kids are going to be disadvantaged by this and how much they cry and miss their daddy. They're going to lock me up for not paying my taxes. So when I read these crocodile tear inducing pieces across the media right now about illegal immigrants, I just want to say, sorry, but... You're not the only one who has laws that if they break, they'd be better off. But you can't do that. If all of us cease to pay our income taxes, there would be huge disruptions into the functions of, I mean, I mean, to pay entirely. Now, I think we could, of course, have a 15% flat tax and everything would be fine. And maybe we'd have to spend a little less on entitlements and a little, you know, a little less on, I don't know, defense. We, We have to look at the line items. But the point here being, that I don't think that we could have zero and still have the government that we have. I'm not crazy. unless. And then people say, what about a, a VAT tax, a value-added tax? Yeah, but that's a new thing. I'm saying if we all just stop paying our taxes, if millions and millions of Americans, let's say 20 million Americans stop paying their income taxes, 50 million Americans stop paying their income taxes, that would matter. That's, that's going to cause problems for the functioning of our government. And so they enforce laws against the individual that on a person-to-person, it's the same, we could talk about voting, by the way, not that that's a criminal issue, but just me voting is, it doesn't make any sense, but you do these things because of you're part of a greater whole. Back to immigration. 
New York Times writes a piece over the weekend. The whole purpose of this is to make immigrations and customs enforcement sound as scary as humanly possible, that they are the jackbooted thugs, that they are have been unleashed on the otherwise uh, productive, peaceful, kindly, family-oriented, hardworking, illegal, illegal immigrant community. I also have to say, I really have a problem with the way so many media outlets write about this issue and just write immigrant. That's not fair. That's not right. We're talking about a, if I'm talking about illegal immigrants here. If they start going after immigrants, uh, I have a problem with that. Because if you've gone through the legal process and you have a document that says you get to be here and the country doesn't respect that, well, then they probably, you know, how long is it before they don't respect my rights and my, my U.S. citizenship and my passport? And So, no, no. If you're inside the system, if you're on the right side of the law, God bless, welcome, great to have you. But this huge effort to excuse and, in fact, to morally blackmail the country into thinking that illegal immigrants have done no wrong. There's no problem. And they're just, they're just good and decent people. Good and decent people could refuse to pay their taxes too. I'm a, I'm a very nice guy. I mean, some of you may, none of you really have spent a lot of time around me personally, but I'm a nice guy. I don't harm people. I don't uh, do bad things to people. I'm completely trustworthy. You could leave your life savings or, you know, your, your wife with me and like everything would be fine. I'm a trustworthy, good guy. If I stopped paying my taxes, I couldn't go before a judge and say, well, I'm a, I'm a, good, I'm a good person, an honest person. Uh, I don't do bad things to people. I just didn't pay my taxes, judge, so let me go. You see, they can do this with any number of issues, especially anyone who's a nonviolent criminal. And all of a sudden, could, should any nonviolent criminal get sent to prison? I actually think that's a, a more legitimate question than you know, a lot of others do. I think that there are I think that f- people go to, to prison for things for which, uh, in many cases, forcible restitution, i.e. having to pay back anyone harmed and pay considerable fines to the state. And I think that would be I think taking away someone's freedom has become too quick and easy an answer for the state. But that's a, a separate philosophical discussion, uh, although it does get me thinking about it. But here's the way you're supposed to think of the immigration issue now. And it's stealth anarchy that the New York Times here and others are advocating for. It's open borders, but it's also it's also emotion over the law. Uh, They talk about how the new rules with the Trump administration on immigration enforcement have immigrants hiding in the shadows. And it's so terrifying now. And let me give you some quotes from this piece. Agents, this is Immigrations and Customs Enforcement agents, uh, are in fact predominantly male and have often served in the military with the police department or both. Uh, ICE has more than 20,000 employees spread across 400 offices and 46 foreign countries. And the Trump administration has called for hiring 10,000 more. ICE officers see themselves as protecting the country and enforcing its laws, but also several agents said defending the legal immigration system with its years-long waits to enter the country from people who skip the line. You don't say, New York Times. You mean that people that are in immigrations and customs enforcement believe that they are there to enforce laws about immigrations and customs policies and laws? 
this is a this is a surprise. The New York Times writes this like these are bad people, and they really go after this. And, and you've got to look at this piece; it's fascinating. Here's another quote: "But arrests can appear dramatic as agents arrive in large numbers, armed with semi-automatic handguns and wearing dark bulletproof vests with ice in bright white letters on them." End quote. So yeah, they are armed agents of the state. Do you know who would show up at my door if I refused to pay my taxes? Armed agents of the state with, you know, bulletproof vests. Yeah, this is this is what the law is. This is what law enforcement is. And I should note that law enforcement always breaks up families of one kind or another. Really? I mean, okay, some people have no real family they speak of. But generally speaking, you're breaking up a family. You've got, you know, FBI, local police. Uh, you know, go go down the line. Any number of enforce DEA, any number of enforcement agencies, they're arresting somebody who has a family that doesn't want to see that person go to prison. But you'll notice, emotionalize, emotionalize. What is the difference? I don't see the New York Times writing teary-eyed articles about people who go to prison for defrauding a company that had plenty of cash to spare and is not really. You know, it doesn't really make a difference to the company. Maybe the money could even be returned. But no, that person's life is still ruined. They go to prison. I'm not saying they shouldn't be punished. I'm just saying anytime the law is enforced, a a criminal law is enforced, a family is in danger of being broken up. Anytime the law is enforced, someone is hurt. If you're going to live in a society with order, it's going to be a society where decisions to break the law are punished. Yeah, this is going to be bad for people that break the that, That's the whole point. And I sit here reading this article. It's just I, I'm telling you simultaneously to when I'm pulling out my receipts and I hope I'm doing this right. And hope I don't get audited. I've gotten letters in the mail from the IRS. You owe us this. You owe us that. That's not fun. That's not. And I know that if I don't respond, they're going to take more of my stuff. And if I still don't respond, eventually people are going to show up and they're going to lock me up. And I don't hurt anybody. I'm a good person. I don't, I'm don't. i not robbing banks or, you know, clubbing old ladies and stealing their purses or, you know, no. Totally trustworthy, good citizen, trying to do his part for America every single day. But, and my contribution to the Treasury is meaningless. But if I don't do it, they will put me in prison. I'm sorry. If you're here illegally and therefore benefiting from, yes, the taxes that you and I are paying... That is a problem. It is a violation of law. People have to be punished for this. And we have lost this. And no, that doesn't mean that you, you know, if you're here illegally, you should be cruelly and inhumanely sent away for a decade into some state penitent. No. What is the procedure that most fits the crime of illegal entry and staying in this country? It is leave. That's a, that is a fair response to the crime of illegal status, taking away that status. I do not think that people should be in prison for long stretches for being here illegally. That would not be fair. That would not be just. But I also don't think that people should be able to stay in this country. I recently had the experience as well. I'll tell you about this. I went to an emergency. I've been having a little bit of trouble with my, with my eyes, a whole separate story. I'll be all right. But I went to an emergency uh, eye center. You know, emergency, it's, it was not really, it's a emergency care center for eyes, but it has a hospital status, I believe. And I was, you know, speaking to the people there and there are a lot of people that are in that, that are in that place 
that are there to get routine care, but they are not legal. And so they use the emergency room for their first line of care. Well, I was, I was there to get a, a problem dealt with. Some people are there because they want prescription eyeglasses. And the, the bill goes you know unpaid. The taxpayer picks up the tab. That's at least my understanding of it. So, you know, there are real costs to illegal immigration. This is not some theoretical situation. This is not theoretical. People are getting stuff that they are not entitled to. And I'm here, you know, piling up my receipts. And and even as someone who's trying to be accurate in his paying of taxes, I know that maybe I miss something or maybe I take something, a deduction that is not really supposed to, but I thought I was or you know, and, and then I get harassed by the government and they feel totally justified in that. You know, I'm part of the the white male cisgender patriarchy. So, no, you know, there's no sympathy for me. I know I have it so easy. I mean, there are a lot of I can tell you there have been plenty of times in my recent life where there are illegals who have bigger bank accounts than I do. But, you know, no sympathy for Buck. Uh, if he doesn't do everything right on his taxes, we're going to we're going to cause real problems for him. and. You know, I'm just sorry. I read this teary-eyed New York Times piece. It's just, oh, it's so it's so terrible. These ICE agents who are predominantly male and served in the military. Oh, good heavens. The Here's another piece in here. The element of surprise is central to their work, and the sight of even a single white van emblazoned with the words Department of Homeland Security can create fear and cause people to flee. To minimize public contact, the arrests are frequently made in the early morning hours. They, they, they write about this like this is specific. This is specific to Immigration and Customs Enforcement. I can tell you this is true of law enforcement in general. Okay, if they're going to come after you, if they want to arrest you, and they have their ability and they have the ability to choose, it's not an, you're not an imminent threat to public safety. Uh, they're going to come for you in the morning, really early, because that's when you're most likely to be in bed, most in routine, least likely to put up a fight, least amount of people around. This is standard law enforcement practice. But they're writing about it here like, oh, good heavens, what are we going to do? So terrifying. Oh, they go more. They go into more detail in this piece when they quote, when they do have to enter a home, officers knock loudly and announce themselves as the police, a term they can legally use. Many times children are awakened in the process and watch as a parent is taken away. True of legal immigration. You know what else it's true of people who write bad checks people who engage in insurance fraud, doctors who falsely bill Medicare, they get taken out in the morning too. They get arrested in front of their families. And they haven't hurt anybody. I mean, they've hurt the system or they've scanned the system, but I'm, you know, there's no person who's showing up in court saying, you know, get that person. They've, they've wronged me. What the New York Times is doing here is insidious. It is deeply destructive to this discussion we are having because they only do this with illegal immigration. They don't do this with other crimes. You know, they're not writing about, oh, they're certainly not writing about what it means for somebody on campus who's brought up on, on charges in one of these uh, preposterous no rights for the accused rape tribunals. You know, they don't write teary-eyed pieces about those guys who have their, fa- who have their families destroyed, their, life's, their life ruined, no employment prospects. They don't write, you know, there's no teary-eyed stories about them. But, oh... The, the illegal immigrant community, the New York Times, ha- goes right to the mat on this one. All right, I've gotten really fired up about this, so I'm going a bit long. Team, we'll be back in just a minute. Stay with me. You're listening to The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Network. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Buck Sexton. All right, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. I, I got so fired up in that last discussion. As you can tell, I hate paying taxes, and uh, that factors into my irritation on this whole subject. And the fact that I could go to prison. And a lot of countries, you don't go to prison. They just, the government will come after you to take more of your money. Here you go to prison. Here we, we destroy people's lives and take away their freedom for tax issues, okay, regularly. Anyway, uh, I want to talk more about the immigration uh, debate on the flip side of this break. Uh, 888-900-3393 if you want to call in. Also, please download The Night Show, which is on Premier Radio Networks. Buck Sexton with America Now. It is on iTunes. It's on Stitcher now as well and Google Play and the iHeart app. So we're going to hit a quick break and we'll be right back. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. I, I wanted to continue on. I know I talk about immigration a lot, but I, I think that um, we've come to a recognition, at least conservatives, a lot of them have come to recognition in this country, that the cultural impact on a nation from mass immigration is not something that can be ignored. It's something that should be discussed openly. And the citizens of that country should be willing to have a discussion about what this means for the future of that country. And this is there's so much here that you have to unpack because we are told lies about this all the time. And finally, there seems to be this moment where as a nation, there's a little bit more room for this discussion. And I just have to say that, you know, let's just step back for a second. I remember reading the book. Uh, the Revenge of Geography by Kaplan, who and this is not a this is not some right winger. This is not some xenophobe. This guy who spent his whole life uh, going around the world, traveling, writing, understanding geopolitics. I mean, he's really an internationalist. I mean, or, or, or a true internationalist in the sense that he's a man who has an understanding of the world and the uh, relationships between different countries. And Revenge of Geography is a very good book. I uh, really, really recommend it to all of you who have an interest in geopolitics and national security strategy. But he talks about how in this book, it's amazing in America, 
the discussion over immigration is we, we often pretend like this is very similar to uh, a way, a temporary waves of people coming into the country from predominantly Europe, but from other places as well, but predominantly from Europe. Those are the main waves of immigration. And there were stops and starts to this. And there were times when the country said, okay, we've got enough for a while, thank you. That's, that's the true history of immigration. But that we are led to believe that uh, immigrants showing up at Ellis Island from Italy, uh, showing up and being processed, many of whom were turned back, a third of whom returned to their home countries of their own volition because there was no safety net, there was no welfare state. You came here and either you made it or maybe you went back to the homeland because it was too hard and just wasn't working out. Now you get here, which way is the benefits office? You get here, how do I get my cut? It's not how do I chase the American dream all the time. In a lot of cases, as we see, based on the numbers, it is how do I get my piece of what other people are paying for, what's being taken from them. We're $20 trillion in debt as a country, but everybody still wants their cut. And they think that it is owed to them, of course, because this ideology of America, the imperialist America that has uh, disadvantaged the rest of the world to advantage itself, And what Kaplan gets into, and he doesn't get into it too deeply because he knows it's on dangerous ground, is most of the illegal immigration problem in this country comes from one one nation. That nation is Mexico. It is contiguous with us as a landmass. It is also a country that we have fought a war with. It is a country that there are many people who still believe it should rightfully have back much of the land that we took from that country by force. And this is a distinct and different problem set and situation from people having to get on a boat for a long, arduous journey to come here. They may or may not be even allowed in once they get here. And once they come here, they better make it work or else they have to go back. And going back is you know, not easy, but obviously these are all calculations that had to be made. So, you know, Ellis Island, 1899, is very different from... I just hopped on the I just hop on the back of a truck and came across the border and now I'm here and now I'm going to find ways to yeah maybe you work off the books I mean I'm not you know the, part of the problem here is that every case is every case is different you know every human being of course is deserving of sympathy and opportunity and but you make policy based on the aggregate you make policy based on what you can see from the numbers just as I said to you before Buck doesn't want Buck doesn't want to pay taxes and it will not affect the country if Buck does not pay taxes. But yet the country will lock Buck up and no one's going to feel that bad about it. And Buck's going to be separated from his family if he doesn't pay his onerous and unfair taxes. So illegals come here. They skip the line. There are lots of people going through all kinds of hurdles and problems and paying money that they don't really have. Why? Because they just want to be here, but they're doing it the right way. Illegal said, nope, sorry, we're going to do it the wrong way. So everybody who's in line, everyone who, even those who have made it in this country legally and gotten a green card or have their visa, they're chumps, I suppose, because they had to do all this stuff. They could have just come here and stayed. Now, you know, th- this, is, this is the harsh reality of what an immigration policy truly means. But it's very easy for me to see the problems with this, the personal issues that I have with this, when I'm sitting here 
writing out checks to the government for, with money that I really could use, you know, especially these days, uh, writing out checks to the government, going through all this hassle and paperwork and, and the stress and knowing that every time I go to my mailbox, you know, I might get some letter from the IRS. You know, you owe us 10 grand. Oh, I don't have that. I got to get on a payment plan now. What am I going to do? But I do it because it's the law. And to the degree that I can, I respect and obey the law. But I don't say, well, I'm a nice person and I don't want to obey this law. So I'm just going to hope that for sympathy will get me out of this. People will say, well, he's a really nice guy. He's, he's a good person. He's helped a lot of people in his life. And, you know, so he shouldn't have to pay his taxes. This is what the New York Times is. This is really the case they're making about illegal immigrants. You see, I don't think that illegal immigrants are are bad people at all. I'm sure there are literally millions of them that I would think are great people that I would get along with, that I would like, that I would care for, that I would uh, form bonds and relationships with. I mean, they're just people. I, I get that. But if you're going to take the whole you break the law and that's OK because you're a nice person attitude, I, I that has to be applied to taxes, too, or else we've got a problem. And I'm choosing taxes here just because I think we all realize same argument really applies. Separating family, you know, if you break that law, it doesn't really matter as an individual. But anyway, you understand that you understand the connection I'm making here. They separate your family, taken by men with guns, all of it. But they just New York Times just writing these teary-eyed stories about illegal immigrants in this country. You know, you know what happens to illegal immigrants if they do run afoul of immigration authorities? Do you know what terrible uh, what, what, what unthinkable atrocity will, will occur. They are returned to their country of birth where they have, or country of citizenship, where they have the opportunity to get right with the law and come back into this country the right way. Now, maybe you'll say, Bach, but they were here illegally. They're banned from 10 years. Okay, maybe once we enforce the laws and once that's become the climate, maybe then we say, you know what? We'll, we'll, we're going to adjust the process to make it clearer and easier and more transparent. And, and, and we'll even give people who don't fight their deportation, we'll say, OK, if you don't fight your deportation, you go back. We'll allow you to come try to come back through the legal immigration, which might take five or six years. But we'll allow you to come back through the legal immigration process. We won't penalize you if you don't fight your deportation. If you want to fight it in court, you know, this is like what happens with people in courts across the country all the time with plea bargains. This is an immensely complicated issue, but the left likes to reduce this to they're just human beings. They should be able to stay. They're going to vote Democrat. They're going to be outvoting people that are um, in favor of stronger immigration, stronger immigration protections or law enforcement in the future. They being those who are the descendants of illegal immigrants or they view this as a power play. That's all. The lawlessness that it creates is not really the concern of the editorial board of the New York Times. Although, as I've said, you just go back a little over a decade and the New York Times was all was very concerned with illegal immigration because the Democratic Party was concerned with illegal immigration. But now the scales have tipped and we're all supposed to just accept this. If we no longer have a welfare state and I no longer have to pay taxes on income, only on on things that I buy, which everyone would then have to pay, including legal, illegal you know, then, you know, do I do I think that open borders is a good idea? No, but at least I wouldn't feel like I'm being taken advantage of. And right now, if you're an American citizen or even a non-citizen, but if you're here legally and you are paying taxes, you are being taken advantage of by those who are here illegally. 
They are accessing benefits. Those who say they are not are lying or don't know what they're talking about. The moment they have children here, there is an unbreakable anchor for them under most policies. That's why we call it an anchor baby in this country. Most administrations won't do anything about that and they get to stay and then they get the the two access benefits too by being in the household. So, you know, I'm sorry, but enough is enough. And proximity to this country is not supposed to be the prime factor in determining how many immigrants are allowed in. But we have immigrants who want to come in from all over the world. We should be picking immigrants who come and make this place more fiscally solvent, not less. We've got big problems. And, you know, the Trump administration, I worry, this is a departure from the immigration talk, but I worry that what's going to happen is they're going to do some very good things, but then, and they're going to make some, some great progress on a number of issues, but then the structural problems with our government and our spending that the Trump administration has inherited, the $20 trillion in debt, the mandatory spending on Medicare and, and Social Security and every, everything else that's just already on autopilot for us, that that is going to somehow, that many-headed hydra will become a, a, it will force a crisis. And Trump, of course, will be in his administration. Even if they do cut corporate taxes, they'll be blamed for it. So we've got this, this is still a very real problem. And you know, illegal immigration does not help us. And those who say, oh, it adds to GDP are either liars or they just have some agenda they're pushing or they just don't know what they're talking about because just use common sense. Look at the size of the welfare state in this country. You're going to tell me that people who arrive in this country who have access to that welfare state and who don't have a, a, the skills to compete in what is increasingly an information-dominated economy don't even speak the language, that they're going, to be, they're going to be contributing more than they take in benefits? That's just, it's just counterintuitive. It just makes no sense. But there are a lot of lies told about this. I didn't even get into... One, one other point here I want to... Sorry, I know I'm spending this whole on immigration, but I, re- I really try to think about this critically and honestly and in depth and not just, oh, we're a nation of immigrants and we do the jobs Americans won't do. And No, sorry. That's all just propaganda. I want to know what's really going on. I want to look at the numbers. Um, I want to look at the cultural and political cost of unrestrained immigration. I mean, now you've got people that are more or less advocating for open borders. Well, what is that? What is America then? If you can just come and go as you please, stay and go, what doesn't matter? You know, who... who what, what is America then? What am I? I'm going to I'm going to fight and die for a country where someone from, you know, name name your country. You know, someone from Tajikistan can just show up and say, I want to be a citizen here, too. And then a year later, now nah, I'm done. I'm going to go back to my home country. I don't want to be a citizen anymore. I mean, that's that's what open borders really is, right? Well, I'm going to fight and die for this country. Really? Anyway, but uh, another question that is. Uh, up on the up in this New York Times piece I just wanted to address quickly and that is Obama was Obama the deporter in chief or was he leaving non-serious criminals alone who were illegal aliens I see both reported all the time oh he deported so many people oh actually he left people alone I think what happened was that he was deporting people for a little while and then they changed the definition of deportation to make it seem like they're deporting more people and then they just stopped once they realized they couldn't get amnesty through but that's not how it's reported but you'll notice there is this incongruence there's this friction between the two sides of this well well is he is he deporting everybody or not it can't it can't be he deports too many people and then also he was leaving people alone and was very kind on this issue to immigrants can't be both all right i've uh i've gotten very deep into this immigration 
rabbit hole. I'm going to pull myself out of it now, and uh, we're going to close out strong right after the break. Stay with me. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton, the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, team, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. You know, I like to tell you some things that I wasn't able to before about some of my CNN experiences. Here's this guy, Smirkanish, who has a show on Saturdays. Here's what he's saying about uh, the conservative right and the movement and everything. Here's what he says. There is another conservative leader who watches CNN, Rush Limbaugh, who earlier this week took umbrage at something that I said on New Day. Here's the comment that got his goat. Donald Trump is the embodiment of a 30-year trend in the making, an embodiment of empowering Rush Limbaugh, the Drudge Report, Fox News, Breitbart, Newsmax. They exert control over primary voters in a way that the the traditional conservative leadership used to do. so this guy's whole thesis is that, you know, Trump is the fault of of the new media and, and talk radio. Now, I'll just tell you something about this guy. Um, I w- I've been on a show one time and I was a CNN contributor and I spoke to the show before Hanks. I knew he wanted to talk about this topic. And I said, look, we can talk about this. But I work for Glenn Beck at The Blaze and he's my boss. And do not, you know, out of respect, please don't ask me to comment on something my boss said. Do you know what he did right away on the show? First question I get is, you know, something Glenn Beck said, something that, you know, something that is indefensible, whatever it was. I mean, he he attacked me with some Glenn quote that I didn't know the context of and whatever. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The guy agreed not to do this. And you know what else? They tried to get me in the show recently. You know what I told them? No guests. Just me and you, Smirkanish. Not some other person that you can use to, you know, to box me out and not give me enough time to respond. You want to have me on your show? Now you can have me on my show. Nationally syndicated radio host Buck Sexton will come on your show and we can discuss this topic anytime. And you can't ambush me with something about my boss, who's a thousand times the radio host, the media personality and the human being that as far as I can tell, this guy is. So I put that out there. I'll go on a show again. Me and him. Do you think that he took me up on that? No. They need a little guest there to hold his hand and help him two on one. So Buck's there. Anyway, the Buck slaps will be coming for this one and for others. All right, team, uh, please join me tonight on the night show, 6 to 9 Eastern. Buck Sexton with America Now. Until then, she'll talk. The Buck Sexton Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.